It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. What are some of the most dangerous assumptions that people make when they're doing their retirement planning? And maybe more importantly, what happens if the reality turns out to be different than the future that they had pictured? We're going to be sharing the most dangerous assumptions and then a better way to build your retirement game plan in this hour. That's right. If you have a question for the program, hoping to get to questions later on, uh, you can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can submit questions right there as well. Then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. You can leave questions there, many of them coming through the YouTube channel. I heard this quote recently, and it's just stuck to my ribs. It ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know that just ain't so that gets you in trouble. Now, it's credited to Mark Twain, but as I was doing some research, not that I'm a stickler to who who really said that, but apparently that's not true, and, and I'm not sure who it's credited to, but, but think about that. I know it was Mark Twain that said that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know that ain't so. It's what you know that's just actually not accurate that gets you in trouble. And wow, are there a lot of applications, and that's a gut check for humility for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's think about that with finances, specifically retirement. What do you just know? I know this is what it's going to look like for me. I know it. I know this is what retirement's going to be. That actually might not be the case. And those dangerous assumptions, here's the here's how you'd connect these, because they are connected. Those assumptions about the future influence and drive your beliefs today, and those beliefs drive your behavior. Mm-hmm. And so if you're making some errant assumptions or you know very confidently it's going to look a certain way out there in the future, it's going to influence what you do and how you prepare right now. And yeah, that could actually be a good thing. I, I believe that markets aren't going to perform that well, and I need to save up a whole lot. And that, this could end up being a good thing, could end up being a bad thing. And, and so what are the most dangerous assumptions that, that people could make about retirement that influence their they're planning today. All of this is sort of housed in a framework of what we call the five-factor retirement plan because, the, yeah, you don't know. We don't know the future. You don't know. And so building that retirement plan, that retirement projection, well, what are those assumptions that you need to make? What are some of these key decisions you need to make? This is that five-factor framework, and you're going to find each of these most dangerous assumptions we're going to lead you through over this hour and, and really how to combat those really fall within these five factors. That's exactly right. And this is one of the fundamental ways that we help clients throughout the week. All of our financial advisors are are helping people to forecast and get ready for a goal that could be years out in the future. It could be decades out in the future for younger clients. Um, But we have to make certain assumptions about the future. No one has a crystal ball. No one knows exactly how things will play out. And so we have to uh, make assumptions that will someday become decisions as well. 
And um, so, so you're going to learn about yourself as you're building for retirement. You're going to change your philosophy a little bit. Your priorities are going to change and, and so on. But for now, as you're getting ready, as you're um, trying to put the, the right game plan in place, you have to make some assumptions about the future. And it starts with, well, at what age will you retire? Mm-hmm. Right? Huge difference between someone who's going to retire at age 60 versus age 70. <laughs> The, the extra work that you have to do in order to be ready for a retirement at age 70, um, it, it's just not as much as someone who's, who's got a lot more heavy lifting, a lot more preparation, a lot more accumulation that needs to happen if you're going to be retiring for an extra decade, essentially. So that's the first factor, what age. Second is how much will you be spending? And then, you know, what will health care cost? What will inflation be? All that sort of stuff. Third is retirement income. Mm-hmm. What are your income sources? And here, we're we focus on a lot is how do you optimize social security, but then do you have a part-time job? Do you have other income sources? We have a pension, those sorts of things. Yeah. And between now and retirement also, how much will you be saving along the way? What, what will you be contributing to your nest egg? Again, if, if someone has a lot of money that they can be dumping into these accounts on an ongoing basis, the nest egg is going to be larger than someone who is trickling the dollars in or gets a late start, that, that sort of thing. And then finally, it's not just how much you save or how much you contribute to your accounts, but what kind of growth potential do you give those, those investments? You know, how much risk are you taking? How are you building your overall investment portfolio? And uh, again, someone who's very conservative may not have as much of a growth trajectory as someone who's willing to take a little bit of the ups and downs that the stock market, for example, gives and and maybe utilize mutual funds that give them more growth potential. So those are the five factors. And you've got to make assumptions about those out there in the future while you're planning today. And they're all interrelated. You can't say, well, I'm going to retire at 40. I'm going to spend a ton of money. I'm going to save very little. I have no other income sources. And you know what? I don't want to take any investment risk either. Hmm. I mean, obviously, in those extremes, I tried to pick the most extreme in each (laughs) of those categories. You would say, uh, nope, that boat don't float. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. So yeah, they're all interrelated. Your choice or assumptions in one will influence your choices in the other. All right. So let's get back to this quote. It's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. Yeah. I don't understand all the dynamics of how social security works. And yeah, yeah, that can get you in trouble. It absolutely can, but it's what you know that just ain't so that gets you in trouble. So what are some of the most dangerous assumptions that maybe we've seen in our careers? In on the on the show right now, we've got close to 60 years of cumulative financial planning experience. What are some of the most dangerous assumptions we've seen people make? The first is the assumption that the investment returns are going to be fantastic. When I retire, the market is going to perform great. I'm going to expect, I'm going to build a retirement plan assuming that, that that my investments grow you know and perform really well in retirement. And and Kevin early in your career, I think this was uh very prolific. Yeah. Well, early in my career, I remember the expect like the average client expectation was like 19%. But there was there was a period of time from 1994 to 1999 where you could, you know, a chimpanzee could throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and whatever stock that dart hit was going to be a winner. Huh? Yeah. But gonna, even even if you up. expand that that viewpoint a little bit further, 
and say, gosh, from the early 80s until the late 90s, if you just averaged the return for that stretch of time, you'd say, oh, yeah, gosh, I mean, 15% average return. Yeah, I guess I'd expect that in retirement. And, and therefore, if I'm expecting that in retirement, how much do I need to save right now or how soon could I retire? It can be a very dangerous assumption. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the, the risk is that if you set yourself on an accumulation game plan or a, a pattern of saving for retirement that assumes that you only have to throw a little bit of money into your accounts and then they're going to just explode in value because of all this amazing growth, your um, little bit of contributions may come up short if those investments don't get the kind of returns that, that you're used to. So that's the accumulation risk. But maybe the opposite could happen as well, where, no, you've been taking a good amount of risk, you've gotten lots of growth up to retirement, and you don't recognize that maybe the game plan needs to shift also. All of those investments that were just, you know, you, you were kind of pedal to the metal when you were young, and it, it didn't matter how the, the investments were fluctuating, your account balances were smaller, and so it felt insignificant when the markets did fluctuate. But as you get to retirement and you have now the largest size nest egg that you've ever had before, and the little swings in the market feel big to you because you translate that into the dollars and the amount of swings, all of a sudden you may need to be taking less risk. Maybe emotionally you'll want to, but if your plan was built on the assumption that the growth was going to keep on rolling, um, but it's not realistic... The risk again is that you come up short for your retirement goal. I, I that is so that is so important. And we're going to tell you how to how to combat this here in a minute. But that is so important that what if that average return for the stock market is going to hold true in during your retirement, but you can't stay on that ride? I can assure you that first bear market once you retire is going to feel very different mm -hmm. than all the bear markets while you were working. And what if it's at that point where you say, "I need this money. I can't afford for it to lose twenty five percent." I'm out, shift me to something low risk. Now your experience, what you knew to be true is no longer true. All right, we're gonna share the antidote to that and a lot more dangerous assumptions. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are some of the most dangerous assumptions that you could be baking into your retirement plan that are influencing your retirement decisions and saving decisions today? that maybe you need to take another look at. We're helping with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go go search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, follow us there, and rate the program there. That's helpful feedback for us. We appreciate it. All right, so what are the most dangerous assumptions? You've got to make assumptions about what retirement's going to look like. And that that those assumptions then drive what you what you decide to do, how much you're going to save, how long you're going to work, what your plan will be with Social Security, all that sort of stuff. All those assumptions uh, assumptions shape your behavior. Well, what are some assumptions that you could be making that are very dangerous? They're errant. They maybe lead you to wrong conclusions. And the first one is, well, the market's going to return fantastic. My returns, my performance will be robust in retirement. And, uh, and, and so here's the thing. If so, you have no control over that. So we sort of left off thinking, well, even if the returns are robust, what if your risk tolerance changes in retirement 
and you're not willing to, you know, to, to, to ride through it? Or what if you retire right on the brink of another lost decade, like we saw from, from late 90s to, to 2008, 2009? So that's very possible. Sequence of return risk. We'll talk about that in a future show. That's a real thing. That's a very real thing. So then how do you, how do you counter this? Well, to me, I, th- there's a few ways, but I, it's been one of those things that has driven me crazy for my entire career because there are famous authors and famous radio personalities out there that would tell you, hey, you just get saving into a good growth mutual fund and you're going to earn yourself 12% a year compounded and look at this pile of money that it will grow to. And I, I hear that and I'm like, man, that, that feels irresponsible because if you save that dollar amount and you get an 8% rate of return, you don't end up with, you know, two thirds of the balance. Right. It's, it's significant. And, you know, being off a little bit in that assumption can be, can be massive out there in the, in the future. And so I, I realize that people who are talking to a national audience or a broad um, group of people are mostly trying to just inspire them to just get saving is the point. Not that that's going to be an exact dollar amount that you'll be able to live off of. But at some point, you have to go from just being inspired to save and invest and be growth oriented to actually calculating what is the amount that you need to be saving and what is it a reasonable rate of return for you to assume. Um, one that is achievable during the ups and the downs of the market over time. And, and more importantly, the roller coaster ride that you can stomach and that you can stay on for the duration. Yeah. So, you know, to me, that's, that's partnering with a certified financial planner who can help understand your own risk tolerances and your own tendencies and help craft a mix of investments that will help carry you um, where you need to be at a level of risk that you can actually be comfortable with. I would I would add on top of that that your retirement planning needs to it doesn't need to be so sophisticated that it you know the same math could send you know rocket to the moon but it needs to be sophisticated enough to give you a probability of success depending on a variety of different investment returns. I call this, you know, it's called Monte Carlo analysis, blah, blah, blah. I call it a stress test. Okay, let's bake all these assumptions together and then let's look at a range of outcomes that could happen based on whether the market performs really well or really poorly in 998 uh, variables in between or or instances in between. And how many of those did you end up with, you know, not running out of money? And that delivers some sort of confidence. So, so one, I would say to combat this assumption of, oh, I think my, the investments are going to perform very well during retirement and I'm going to build my retirement assumptions on that. Now, build in that stress test. That's the first thing that we do. The second thing that we do, guys, in retirement, we just, we've always had a sense at, at KFG of when you're building out your retirement assumptions, it's got to be in the ballpark. If it's not in the realm of realistic, then then what use is the planning? Okay, so it's got to be in the ballpark, but then on the conservative side. And so in retirement and even along the way, we actually are looking at historical returns of all these different indexes. And then we actually just shave a little bit off just to make sure, well, what if the markets don't perform really up to snuff? can your plan still survive? So so actually hedging a little bit and saying, well, instead of assuming my retirement's going to be with robust returns, what if they're just 
sort of average or mediocre and building a plan off of that. Those are two ways that I would sort of hedge against this dangerous assumption. I remember having a conversation one time with a prospective new client. He was interviewing us. We were interviewing him, trying to figure out, are we a good match for each other? And and he was two years out from his target retirement date and really did not have a whole lot accumulated compared to what he believed he needed. And he needed to double his investments in two years. And he wanted to make sure that we wouldn't be too conservative if we were helping coach him in this way. And he wanted only individual stocks and they needed to be you know, uh, some, some super uh, octane, I, I guess, types of investments. And, um, you know, ultimately we, we said, I don't, I don't know that we're a good fit for each other here. And I think what you're trying to achieve is, is more risky than it's going to be worth ultimately. But if your retirement plan requires a, a Hail Mary to win the game, um, I, I think probably you're, you're in a position where you probably should have changed some assumptions about your goal, maybe adjusted your, your time horizon, uh, maybe you got too late of a start or something, but to hope that just amazing huge returns are going to make it all work is extremely risky. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, and, and there's no peace of mind in that. Yeah. I mean, when when I think about getting to retirement, and the, and there are two, there are two different extremes. The one extreme is the person that says, "I got to be done in two years. I ha- I can't work there anymore. I, I, for whatever reason, I got to be done." Well, then then you say, "Well, let's see what your money can grow to, and see what you can do with it." But there might be some necessary sacrifices if your money doesn't get where you think it can go. But I don't know. I've I've watched a little bit of football and those Hail Mary passes, they actually work like one time out of a hundred <laughs> or a thousand. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean they 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 do work, but I, I wouldn't want to base my plan on this that being the reason for my success. Yeah. All right. So n- another dangerous assumption we see people make a lot. Maybe this one rings a little bit more true to you and that is uh I an assumption about how long your life expectancy will be. And and the more dangerous assumption is, yeah, I don't think I'm going to live that long. You 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 think I'm going to, you know, my life expectancy is late 80s. Oh, no, no one in my family's ever lived that long. I'm not, we don't need to plan for that. Yeah. People who attend our retirement class, I am always trying to persuade them of this fact that you're going to live longer than you think you will. And if you just plan that way, plan that your retirement nest egg needs to be robust enough to stretch even longer than your gut tells you it needs to, then if it turns out that you pass away on exactly the day that you envisioned, okay, great. Then you ended up having a little bit extra. You had some cushion. You still had some gas left in the tank when you look at your your investments. But for most people, the at least the statistics, the trends have been that generations have been living longer than prior generations. You know, ever since really the Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. um, modern medicine is keeping people alive longer. Um, you know, I, I look at the American diet and it's not making us healthy, but we're still living longer in spite of it quite often. And I, again, there's been a lot of research that would say the average person is going to live about six years longer than they think they will. Crazy. And that six years, if that's at the end of retirement, that can be at a time when life is more expensive out there in the future than what you could even imagine today. And it requires more resources out there in the future. So 
if if you're going to have a retirement game plan that lasts as long as you do, then you have to be realistic or maybe I would say conservative about how long that's going to end up being. So how do you how do you combat this? Well, one, I would you got to look at your own, you know, genes and and family and their longevity and all that. But then you've got to look at uh, overall actual averages, actual um, life expectancies right now. But then if you're just planning off of life expectancy, then it's a 50-50 shot whether you're going to plan appropriately or underprepare. And those are just not good odds when you're just trying to retire once and not mm-hmm. run out of money. Those stakes are pretty high. So we typically suggest and we plan for, well, let's assume that you outlive 80% of your peers. So an 80-20 instead of a 50-50. What are some of the other most dangerous assumptions and how can you plan for those? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, what are the most dangerous assumptions that you could be making about retirement that just really aren't true? And and you need to take a different approach with your planning to help make sure that you're planning appropriately, preparing appropriately for retirement. We're helping with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. So what are you assuming about the future, about retirement, and and how is that impacting how you're preparing today? And do you need to relook? Do you actually need a, a, another kind of opinion on some of those assumptions to say, well, it, are those accurate? How could I plan a little bit better? We're helping with that right now. This we, we've we've talked through one of the most dangerous assumptions is well, I think the market's going to return just fine, in out there in the future. Okay, well, here's how you could plan around that. What if it doesn't? Second is um, what uh, what what if you live longer than what you think? A lot of people when they come in, um, they say, oh no, I'm not going to live that long. We don't need to plan for that long. Well, odds are actually that you're going to live longer than what you think. This is another one that Josh has been saying for years, decades, but I have always sort of given him a hard time about because I haven't seen the data. Well, I'm seeing the data right now. And that is a very dangerous assumption that you're actually going to retire when you think you're going to retire. Share the data. The data, Josh, (laughs) is that... I'm wondering if it supports my theory It's a pretty overwhelming kind of clear trend that people retire much sooner than what they thought. And does it define much sooner? Is it a couple no, of years? No, 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 no. But here's, the, it doesn't, um, well, I'm looking at, so this is from Morningstar, survey done by NPR and Harvard. Um, and and you might think, well, okay, so people have a hard time predicting the exact month. Oh no, that's too precise. They probably have a hard time predicting the exact year, but within a year or two, no, 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 these are four year bands. So and people retiring, expecting, there were only 6% of people that expected to retire in their 50s. 29% of people actually did. Hmm. Okay. Um, 42% of people predicted that they would retire between 65 and 69. Only 16% did because much more people retired between 60 and 64 yeah. than originally expected. Yeah. And, and that is pretty consistent with some of the studies that I've seen where 
so many people assume age 65. It is kind of a magic age um, when you consider your health insurance benefits. At age 65, that's when you're eligible to join Medicare, come off of your group plan at work, go on to the government uh, plan at age 65. And, and so some people, they, they just shoot for that, even though that no longer lines up perfectly with their uh, Social Security benefits, that, that kind of thing. But what a lot of people end up doing is retiring often two, sometimes three years earlier than they ever imagined. And sometimes it's because they're capable of it. And um, you know they, they have an opportunity to, to just get out of the game a little bit earlier. Uh, other times, though, it's, it's kind of circumstances that they didn't necessarily foresee and didn't really even want. Uh, it could be health-related issues. Could be their, uh, it could be their own health-related issues or a family member's um, that they're going to be caring for. M- maybe their industry is struggling or there's some sort of downsizing that happens within their employer um, business or, or organization. Again, it could be other people's decisions that speed along your retirement, and rather than go find a new job or start another career so late in the game, some people just kind of transition in into retirement. But here's the thing. You shave two years off of your working career. That's two less years for you to be saving into retirement accounts. It's two less years for your investments to be growing and maturing, kind of simmering in the, in the crock pot there. It's two more years for you to live off of your own resources instead of the paycheck as well. It's two less years for you to be able to eliminate some debt if you're kind of cleaning some of that up before retirement. There's there's all these things. Two, Two more years that you've got to cover potentially your own health insurance instead of going straight on to uh, the, the government plan. Two years can make a big difference for you or against you. Uh, okay, so guys, just survey in here. Would you would you say that's accurate? Of all the people, think through the people that the thousands of people that you've helped retire. They tend to retire on time, earlier or later. I would, I to me, I I would earlier. Yeah, I mean, is it oh ninety percent retire earlier? No, no, but I don't know, maybe forty percent retire a year or two earlier. I mean, we have a very weird time frame here recently covid took a lot of people out mm-hmm. covid said oh my goodness i i i just lost my job I, i'm just going to retire my job is that complicated now i'm just going to retire i have to deal with people that are that ornery all the time and sir i'm just going to retire and so that i have to wear a mask i have to take the jab i have to i mean go on down yeah. the line people are like i am not going to do that i will be done working but but not to touch on that lightning rod or focus on it no. sorely but you also have the sandwich generation just had someone retire where they're taking care of grandkids and now they're taking care of mom and dad and like i work doesn't fit within this and you know what this wasn't the retirement plan but we're just going to have to make it work cuz i have no other option I've had people where the plan was to work until 68, and by 63, they're like, okay, you know that last technology upgrade that Mm -hmm. went through the entire organization? Yeah, I really didn't do it. I mean, I was forced to, but it's not clicking. I do not get it. And and who wants to show up at work every single day when you used to be great and feel that satisfaction, and now you feel lost? Mm -hmm. I got to be done. I can't keep up. But so here's the unique thing, and and 
this this is true of really all of our our clients. They're making that decision though in the context of their retirement plan. Correct, right? and that's sort of the antidote that we'll get to. But yeah, well, but but it means that some people discover that they're more ready or ready earlier than they ever thought, and so they are able to make that transition if work got frustrating or family needed uh, care or, or something like that. But there are some examples where we discover, hey, you're not on pace where you want to be, and they choose to push retirement back a year or two because it allows them to get more ready or be you know, more confident as they step into retirement. Yeah, I think the anecdotal evidence that we might provide from our experience serving financial planning clients is a little bit skewed yeah. because it um, we typically work with a skewed segment of the population. All you have to do is do a little search and, you know, I'm looking at a September 8th article that says 56% of Americans say they're not on track to retire comfortably. Yep. So this is where the, if, if that's you, if you're one of the 56% and you're listening, I would say don't get discouraged. Start today. Yeah. And and I would I'd I'd find the if if you're not able to do it on your own, most folks aren't, I'd figure out what's the external stimulus. What who's going to be your coach to get you from where you are to get you on track and then to get you achieving your goals. So the the the, the plan how do you plan through this? Because you don't know. So does that mean I just have to well, I want to retire at sixty five, so I just have to build my plan around retiring at sixty three. Might not hurt. I'd build your plan at sixty five, but then I'd probably stress test, well, what if I needed to retire a year or two earlier? Would it work? But the other thing, like you could play that game until you go crazy. So really the other big takeaway is is get financially responsible, like save up as much as you can, pay down debt, get as prepared as possible, one, and then two, have that retirement plan ready because Josh, you're absolutely right. When when clients have come to us and, hey, life's changed or work's changed or I've got to care for this family member or whatever, and what's it look like to retire, they know. Mm-hmm. We, we can update their plan and that gives clarity that, yeah, you were planning on spending six grand a month. Could you, could you plan on spending 5,500 a month? Yeah. Well, then it works. Or we were planning on this assumption, that assumption. Could, are you still planning on that? No, we'll, we, that'll be a trade-off. You know, we're taking care of, of mom and dad. We're not going to be going on as many trips. Okay. Well then, yeah, it works, you know? So having that clarity, that clarity as life throws you curveballs, are you on track or what adjustment, what pivot would you, what counter adjustment would you meet, need to make to stay on track? That clarity gives you confidence. That clarity gives you confidence at a time when you, when you might not have as much. And that is just extremely valuable. So you've got to be working with your certified financial planner, building out that five-factor retirement plan with prudent assumptions about the future and then adapting it as we go. All right, what are some other dangerous assumptions? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content, is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Search the Wise Money Show. When you get to YouTube, subscribe to it. Turn on notifications so you're made aware can share the content, you can leave questions, you can like the content. We appreciate all of that activity. So go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, 
and follow us there. All right, we're talking about the most dangerous assumptions that you could be making or that we've seen people make about retirement that shapes their decisions today that ends up leading them to be underprepared or underprepared or not have retirement go exactly the way they were really hoping that it would. So next one, and I I hear this a lot, and boy, this might be the only time in our careers where could be true that this might not be as dangerous. And that is I'll work a part-time job to get income in retirement. We hear that a lot. It could be dangerous for some people. Oh, I think, like, it, I think it very much is because you might look and say, well, but I, I, I don't want to do that level of work or that sort of thing. Yeah. I guess in the past, it's always been, well, as if part-time jobs are so available, but right now they sort of are. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying in the past, maybe you are open to working, but then there just isn't an opportunity for you, that kind of thing. Right. These days, there's a shortage of workers everywhere you turn. And so, um, you know, any retiree that would be open to working, it's like, show me an employer that wouldn't be interested in talking to them. Yeah, I well, I just uh, spent a little time in Nashville and we to get around, we used Uber. And so it's interesting to talk to the Uber drivers. A number of these guys were retired, and they said, "I I'm I just needed something to do." Hmm. Uh, th- this one guy was saying how he found himself watching too much TV and then just sleeping too much, and then it, you know it, it, it <laughs> just something sounds like a yeah that's a, he's he's going back to his college days um and so and so he's he drives for uber five days a week and he has a group of retired men that they meet for breakfast three times so why is this dangerous well if you're looking at a a gap with your retirement where you are projected to be and where you really want to be you could fill in that gap and say yeah i can't save more but i don't need to save more because i'll just work part-time I, okay, there's a shortage of, uh, of two grand a month. I'll just work part-time. I'll be able to do that. That's fine. Or you've got this other dangerous assumption, which is I'm struggling at my job. I just need to get out. And you know what? I'll just I'll work part-time anywhere to get away from where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, it's just not, it just hasn't been the reality for most people because it's either harder to find that, that part-time job. It's harder to find the part-time job that you're willing to do retirement usually comes along with a lot of freedom and in and how you want to spend your time and when there's a job you lose and give up some of that freedom you might look at okay wait how much am i getting paid yep 15 dollars an hour i'm gonna do that for 15 you know how much my salary broke down hourly when i was working i'm not doing that that feels like i'm losing money right so there's a lot of things pulling at you that could make this a dangerous assumption the the people that i see enjoying or thriving with a part-time job in retirement are doing it because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah. Yes. You know, it mm-hmm. it is something that it gave them, like the Uber driver yeah. you're talking about, gave them something to do, give some structure to their week. Maybe they're very social and this creates more interaction for them. Maybe they're mostly donating their time and it, it provides some significance for them or some satisfaction or whatever. But man, if if your retirement forecast only will work if you will work a part-time job for so many years in retirement, it feels so risky because I just, I've seen so many people that it's like you you get to the point where you do resent the part-time job. 
either because you're like, man, I'm getting paid peanuts compared to what I was getting paid, as you said, Mike, or it's like an interruption to what you really want to be doing. You know, you got to get back, um, you know, from a cool long weekend to go work that part time job on a Tuesday or something. And you just don't want to. And so we're not saying that oh, this would never work. No one would ever do it. No, lots of people do. In fact, I think it's going to be a growing trend. I, mm-hmm. But it's just dangerous to assume that you absolutely will. And if that's the only thing that makes your retirement plan work, I gosh, I would I would challenge that assumption. I encourage people to not bake that income into their Agreed. forecast. L- let's let's assume that you're going to be willing, but um, let's be capable of being done working entirely when you retire. One hundred percent. All right, I'm going to lump these next two together because it, they they both lead to well, there will be some sort of windfall, and that is. It can be dangerous to plan your retirement on receiving an inheritance or downsizing your house. Both of those, yes, they're two very different things. I understand that. But both of those mean I'm going to have some sort of injection of cash into retirement that's going to make this all work. Yeah, I I personally have never seen someone downsize the square footage of their house and downsize the price of their house at the same time. Right. You know, you, you may shrink the house because you want less upkeep. Maybe you want a smaller yard. Maybe you even want to live in a villa or a condo or something where the outside is all cared for in the winter and the summer. But um, that doesn't mean that the, the price is going to be less or you're going to unlock a bunch of equity out of your, you know, the family home that you raise kids in and, and everything. Um, most likely, or, or at least most commonly, we see people roll the full amount of proceeds into the next gig and maybe even a little bit more. A little bit more, yeah. And and so again, not that, not that it won't happen. It is, just like Josh said, very unlikely because at that time, you're probably wanting to not climb stairs as much. You're probably wanting certain upgrades you're not as willing to swing the hammer or put some elbow grease into getting some you know certain features you probably just want them there and when you've got a whole group of people all thinking the same way then it's laws of economics supply and demand and so you probably will downsize the square footage that might likely mean you're not downsizing the price tag. It might go up even a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then inheritance as well. And does this mean you're not going to receive an inheritance? No, you 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 very well might. But just like the part-time income deal, I would tell people I wouldn't bake that into your retirement plan. Let's let's have your retirement plan work based on what you're doing and your habits and all of that. And if that inheritance comes in, it's gravy on top. And and I think that's probably how it's been more often that with that inheritance, you want the freedom to then splurge a little bit or do something that you've maybe always wanted to do, but weren't sure that you could or, or to honor mom and dad in a certain way or give it on to other family members or something not to say, well, it has to all be structured a certain way because it's got to make the retirement work. Yeah, it, mostly because you just really don't know for sure what amount of money you could end up receiving. If it's true that, uh, and we persuaded you earlier in the show that you're going to live longer than you thought you would, there's also a chance that your parents, you know, the prior generation could live longer than what you thought they would as well. And they may end up using more of those resources than you ever imagined, shrinking down what that inheritance ends up being. And um, even if they've stated regularly to you that they want to leave a wonderful blessing behind and a, a great financial legacy for future generations, 
they'll they'll do what they can someday. But what if it ends up being less than what you were counting on? And uh, I we have seen some cases, and they're they're kind of tragic, honestly, of uh, almost individuals who are spending the inheritance before it's ever even in their hands. Mm-hmm. Now they're not literally like taking money from mom or dad and and spending it. They're just burning through their own resources or they're failing to save. They're they're living off of all of their income and not planning for the future because in their mind, oh, my retirement nest egg's in the bag. I just I'll, I'll receive it when mom or dad passes away. Well, what if you don't? Yeah. What if you don't? Yeah. So building out that five-factor retirement plan, you've got to make some assumptions about, well, when will I retire and what's my life expectancy? And and those are actually two of the biggest, most dangerous assumptions. So working with a certified financial planner, so you can stress test both of those, that you can plan for outliving some of your peers. What does that look like? There's even in the tools that we use, there's a longevity calculator in there as well that shows, well, what if you do uh, you know, pass away at this time, or if you live to this time, what's, what, how does that change your competence of your plan, how much you're going to be spending. So that would include, I mean, that's another assumption people make is I'll spend less in retirement. I don't, I'm not, I not as sure about that. Prove it, you know, spend the last few years of your working career spending less or at that lifestyle that you think you will spend in retirement. What are your income sources? That's the third factor in retirement. And so we, we talked through that dangerous assumption, how much you have saved up and how much it will earn for you. That was the first one. So working with that CFP, doing that five-factor plan will help you with all that. All right. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. All right. And then we'll get into the next one, which is I'm not going to live that long. Josh, you've got a story about that. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me I'm not going to live that long. <laughs> the way, Josh, the, that's you. The Josh. way you're going, Josh. <laughs> you, you've got a few days left, Josh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.